Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. The scripture reading for today is from Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. You can locate it on page 3 of your pew Bible. Let us pray. God our Father, by your Holy Spirit, open our minds that the scriptures are that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may be led into your truth and be taught your will. For the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now the man knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have produced a man with the help of the Lord. Next she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain a tiller of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought, in, brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, for his part, brought forth the firstlings of his flock, their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, Sin is lurking at the door. Its desire for you is for you, but you must master it. Cain said to his brother Abel, Let us go out into the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened up its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it will no longer yield to you its strength. You will be a fugitive and a wanderer of the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Today you have driven me away from the soil, and I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and anyone who meets me may kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. Whoever kills Cain will suffer a sevenfold vengeance. And the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who came upon him would kill him. Then Cain went away, away from the presence of the Lord, and settled into the land of Nod, east of Eden. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Well, once again, we come to one of these early biblical myths that describes with profound insight the realities of being human. Their names were Cain and Abel, but in the right circumstance, we all find our names in this story. It's about us. So what does this story about us mean? 
Well, it's about brothers, so it's about trouble. Brothers have had trouble for a long time. That's the way it is in Scripture. Jacob snookers Esau out of his birthright. Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers. Joseph was kind of hard to take. And now you see what happens with Cain and Abel. Of course, trouble with brothers is not limited to Scripture. I've told you before of my younger brother, Jim. There was a time when he was taking a bath. The bathroom was on the second floor of the house. He thought he was in the house by himself. There should be no noise or nobody there. But I was there unbeknownst to him, and I knew how easily he would become frightened. So I began bumping around and making noises, and he cried out from the bathroom, Tom, is that you? I didn't say anything. I just started going up the stairs. They creaked. He heard me coming with each footstep. Tom, is that you? I said nothing. I started scratching on the door, you know, scratching on the door, and finally burst through the door into the bathroom, and he, he, he wasn't there. My brother had crawled out of the bathroom window and was hanging on the awning that was over the front door, this, this, unfortunately, this was the exact moment that my mother returned from the grocery store to see her youngest son hanging from the house wearing nothing but soap suds. She, she looked at me with daggers in her eyes and said, go to your room. That was the preferable punishment at that age in my life, and I spent most of the Reagan administration in my room. <laughs> That brother now is, he's a pilot. We have another brother, my special needs brother, Gene. I was on the phone with Gene this week to tell him I'm gonna come visit him next month. He asked if I was driving. I said, no, I'm gonna fly. And I said, you know, I might get on the plane and I might hear the pilot come on the plane and say, welcome, this is your captain, James R. I said, Gene, what do you think about that? He said, brother, or he actually says, Buada. He says, Buada, you better get off that plane. <laughs> Just drive. Brothers can be hard on one another. Sisters, too, from what I have heard. It's been that way a long time. At least in my family, nobody's killed anybody, so that separates us, distinguishes us from Cain and Abel. Cain was a farmer, and when harvest came in, Cain made an offering to God. The text doesn't tell us why. Maybe he was thankful. The urge to worship is pretty deep. Abel, his baby brother, was a rancher. Abel also came to worship and brought his offering, and it was there in church that the trouble occurred. For after church, instead of going to first watch for brunch, Cain takes Abel out in the field and kills him. And what happens between offering and murder is God. Because God had regard for Abel's offering, but God had no regard for Cain's offering. Why would God do that? I'm going to tell you at the end of the day, I don't think we know. There are many explanations that have been 
offered through the generations. Some say that the problem with Cain's offering is that he brought grain while Abel brought meat, that evidently God is no vegan and prefers lamb chops. But that makes no sense because it is the same God who instructed the human creature, you may eat the fruit of any tree of the garden. We're going to have to find another reason. Some have said it's not what Cain brought, but it was the quality that Abel brought the fat portions, but Cain just brought a minimal offering of grain. But the story doesn't really say that. They brought what they had to bring. They brought the fruit of their labor. Others have said it's not the gifts, it was the intent that Cain's heart wasn't really in it, that he wasn't genuine. That's what John Calvin said. And unless Calvin had a conversation with Cain, which is highly unlikely, I don't know how he could know that because the text says nothing about anyone's heart. Of course, we have invented explanations because we don't want to believe that God would do this for no good reason. But if I understand the text, I think that's what it teaches. Sometimes there's no good reason. This story is brutally honest about life as we know it. We want everything to be fair. We don't want to live in a world where bad things can happen at random. Explanations tend to show us that the world hangs together. Explanations give us a bit of control, and we love that. For example, we tell ourselves, don't we tell ourselves this, that if we work hard and do our homework and stay out of trouble, we'll get a good job and life will be successful. But the truth is, that works for some, but others do all of that, and it doesn't work. The doctor tells us, Keep your weight down, watch your cholesterol, exercise, eat your veggies, eat your veggies, and you'll be healthy. But disease can strike with unscrupulous randomness. How do we explain that? We want there to be reasons for everything, but life does not always work that way. Not everything is fair. Sometimes imbalance occurs and there's no explanation. When I was in third grade, my next-door neighbor and best friend was Danny Martin. We, we met in the treehouse that straddled our backyards one day, and I said, so, what you want to do? He said, nothing. I said, you want to throw the baseball? No. You want to ride bikes? We could be Adam 12. We used to take playing cards and clothespin them to our tires, and then when the, it'd go through the spokes, it'd be just like a motorcycle. He said, you want to do that? No. And then he said, my dad doesn't live here anymore. We just looked at each other. Kids can do that. Adults have to look away, look at the ground for a minute. We just looked at each other. And then he said, I think it's my fault. It never dawned on me that it wasn't his fault. 
partly because I knew him really well, and a lot of things were his fault. But more importantly, I desperately wanted to believe that I didn't live in a world where things like this could happen to kids at random. There must be a fault or a purpose or a reason. It doesn't always work that way. It just doesn't. If I understand this story, it, it requires some wisdom because some things, sometimes things are wrong, unjust, unfair, and there's something we can do about it. And when there is, we should do everything we know how to do to make it right. But some things are unjust, unfair, and there's nothing that we can do. And in that moment, we need to learn to make peace with life, even when it disappoints us. Some things are not always equal, and if we benefit from that, it's not, because we, not always because we've deserved it or we've earned it. And if we don't benefit from that, it's not always because we don't deserve it. Sometimes life just disappoints us. Sometimes that's just the way things are. Some receive blessings that others do not. Some excel at school and, and don't even have to crack the books. And others stay up all night, all through the night, and never quite get it. Some can do things with a ball or a paintbrush or a guitar or a hammer. And others may try, but the gift never comes. That's just the way it is with us, and there's no explanation offered. Life is not the same for all of us. We may not like that, but it's unavoidably true. Sometimes that's no big deal, but sometimes it can be deadly. And when it hurts, our first response is try to explain it justify it. That may give us a measure of control. But the second, as we see in this story, we can be tempted to blame the blessed for something they have nothing to do with. We invite them out in the field. As Cain said, you want to take it outside? The text does not explain to us the ways of life in God's world. It just names the reality of the life we live with one another. And it cautions us to pay attention to who we are when life disappoints us. It's into that moment of Cain's disappointment that God speaks. And God says, why are you angry? You are good. You, you can be accepted. Just do well. Don't let this erode the good that is in you because it is in this moment that sin is lurking. Its desire is for you, but you can master it. Don't let this disappointment eat away the good that is already and always in you. It is clear that God's interest is not in the offering, but in the reaction to the offering. 
God says, Cain, who will you be in this moment of disappointment? This is why I say it is a story about all of us, because life is going to disappoint you. It will. So who do we be then in that moment? I said in my e-note on Friday, this story reminded me of my tryouts for the high school musical. We were doing West Side Story. I tried out for the part of Tony. Tony had all the good songs, and Tony got to kiss Maria, and everybody knew Diane was going to be Maria, and this was going to be my only shot, so I wanted to be Tony, you know. I didn't get the part of Tony. No, they gave that to Ken Reed. Why? Oh, just because he could sing like an angel and didn't even have to try. And he was good looking. All the girls said he was good looking. So, of course, Ken Reed got the part. I thought, forget it. I don't even want to be in this stupid musical. What I wanted to say to Ken Reed is, you want to go out in the field? <laughs> because what I was doing is blaming him for something he had nothing to do with. I was blaming him for gifts God had given him that God didn't give me. Disappointment can do that to us. If I understand this text, it names the reality that life will disappoint you from time to time. It doesn't mean you're rejected. It doesn't mean you're blamed. It doesn't mean you deserve it. It's just the way it is sometimes. What matters is who will we be in the midst of that moment when life disappoints us? The one thing we don't want to do is let disappointment erode the good that is already and always in us. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.